Wednesday, isn't it? We're uh, we're doing some Bible heroes, Amen. Some great heroes of the Bible, and we're talking about have for the last couple of weeks, the last couple of Wednesday nights, about about a great man of God, um, the greatest king according to God's own admission, the according to the Word of God, the greatest king in Judah, of Judah, of that southern kingdom of Judah, and his name was Hezekiah. And we have talked about the first, the first message, we talked about his character, we went through and, and looked at his character and, and what the Lord said about him and how he served the Lord with all of his heart, how he, uh, it said that he clave to the Lord. Uh, he never forsook the Lord. Didn't mean he was perfect. He made some mistakes. He had some goof-ups. Um, but who hadn't? But nevertheless, he followed the Lord fully and um, just had a great, he was just a great man of God. He was the son of uh, Ahaz, who was a very evil, wicked king. And then Hezekiah himself gave birth to uh, Manasseh, who turned out to be a wicked king. So he was kind of a rose between two thorns. Of course, Manasseh, his son, started out as um, an ungodly king, but wound up giving his heart to the Lord and turning things around in his life. But anyway, this man, Hezekiah, um, is a great man of God. And um, last week we talked about his his reform, how God used him to bring religious and spiritual reform and revival back into the, the lives of the people of Judah. They were so far from God. They were so backslidden. They were so away from the Lord. But the very first, in the first uh, year, the first year of Hezekiah's reign, he began to go in, remember? He went in and he opened the doors to the house of the Lord that had been closed up. He began a, a good old-fashioned house cleaning, didn't he? he? He got everything that was unclean and ungodly, all of the idolatry and the idols, everything. He, he got it out of the house of the Lord, the uh, altar of Damascus that Ahaz had put in there, all the idols that his father had brought in. Um, he relit the lamps that had been put out, praise God, and reestablished the, wor the worship of God again and brought revival and reform. He turned the people around. He brought them back to the Lord. We didn't have time to get into it last week, but uh, if you'll study his life, you'll find that he reinstituted the Passover again. He began to offer sacrifices. He was bringing the people, the thing that had, that, that which had been neglected in, in, in the lives of the people, which represented the cross, which represented the blood of Jesus. Those sacrifices had been done away with to the Lord, and he reinstituted the sacrifices. He got rid of all the high places that they had worshipped idols. So he did a complete work. And so uh, he was a great reformer. And the Scripture focuses on two important campaigns of Hezekiah. One of them was his, the worship campaign, but then the other one was the war campaign. He had some battles. He had some enemies that he had to face. So tonight, 
um, for a few minutes. I want to read from Second uh, Chronicles, if you'll go there with us. Second Chronicles, and then we'll flip backwards and go to Second Kings and read some scripture there. But in Second Chronicles, I want to read starting with verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1, then we'll jump down to verse 10, okay? Because I don't, I don't want to take the time to read um, all the way through to verse 17. So we'll just kind of skip around here, but you'll get the main, the main, uh, the main thrust of things. Second Chronicles chapter 32, chapter 32, chapter 32. I didn't give you a chapter, did I? You need a chapter. Amen. <laughs> Second Chronicles 32 verse 1 says, After these things, the New King James says, After these deeds of faithfulness, but after these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Thank you. That, let there be light. Praise God. I can see. I thought something wasn't looking right there. Amen. Do I need to read that again? Did you get it? All right. <laughs> All right. So after these things and the establishment thereof, something happened. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came, and he fought and camped against the fenced cities, entered into Judah, and thought to win it to himself. Verse 10 says, here's what Sennacherib said to Hezekiah. Thus saith Sennacherib, king of Assyria, Whereupon do you trust that you abide in the siege in Jerusalem? And by the way, Sennacherib and the Assyrians had already uh, carried the northern kingdoms into captivity, into the Assyrian captivity. They, they were done gone. And now, so now he takes it upon himself to come against Judah and to overthrow them and to, to take, make them captive as well. Verse 11, does not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know you not what I and my fathers have done to all unto all the people of, of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? He's, he's, talking some, he's talking some trash, isn't he? Amen. Who was there among the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you out of my hand? Now, therefore, let not Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you on this manner, neither, let, neither yet believe him, for no God or any of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of my hand and out of the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you out of my hand? And his servant spake yet more against the Lord and against his servant Hezekiah. And look at verse 17. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel. 
and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of my hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of my hand. Sounds just like the devil, don't it? Amen. And then flip back to 2 Kings 19, and I'll read verse 14 through 16. It says this, because it said he wrote letters. And, I, and, and, and here Hezekiah, what he gets, Hezekiah gets some hate mail from the devil. Anybody ever got hate mail from the devil? And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And it was a letter, by the way, that was railing on God and threatening Hezekiah and threatening Judah. And he read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwells between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone. He's back on, spe- he's on speaking terms with God because he reinstituted everything and got it back. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent him to reproach the living God. Hezekiah's worship campaign, and as I said, the Scripture focuses on the two campaigns of Hezekiah, one being the worship campaign, the campaign of reformation and revival, which we studied last week, but also his war campaign. And Hezekiah's war campaign consisted of a great religious revival in Judah that resulted in the settling or the setting of the spiritual house of Judah in order and ridding the land of all idolatry. He did a complete work, as we talked about last week. And uh, so it was a great time. The, the, the Passover was reinstituted. The sacrificial system was, was brought back in which those sacrifices, those blood sacrifices upon that altar, every one of them represented what Jesus was going to do. It was a picture of the cross and what the Lord was going to accomplish. And so all of that had been reinstituted, but the war campaign of Hezekiah focuses uh, itself on the evil king and the conflict that he and Judah had with this king of Assyria, this enemy of Hezekiah by the name of Sennacherib. Now, Sennacherib, when you, you think about him, I mean, his name means, the name Sennacherib means man of sin. So we know from the scripture that Sennacherib represents who? Satan. He represents the enemy, Satan. He represents the God of this world, the devil. Who, by the way, in case we've forgotten, the devil is opposed to everyone who belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and to all that are saved and are living godly, the enemy, the arch enemy of your soul, the devil, is against you. Come on, amen? He's against you. Come on, right? And I think we need to just be reminded of that. I'm not here to build up the enemy. 
because before we get done tonight, you're going to find out what happens to Sennacherib. But um, we do have an enemy, and he is opposed to everything that is of God and everything that is godly. He influences this entire world system, Satan does. And I want to tell you something tonight. You and I that are here in this Wednesday night service, we're the, you're, y'all are the cream of the crop. You are the ones who have been called out of this world. You're not a part of this world system anymore. You're not a part of Satan anymore. He has no more rule over you. But this whole world, the Bible said, lies under the sway of the wicked one. But thank God, I'm not, a, I'm not a part of that world system. Neither are you anymore. God has redeemed us and brought us out of that. Amen? Praise God. I'm about to feel happy already. But Assyria brought Judah very close. I mean, when, when Sennacherib and the Assyrians came, now like I said, they had carried away the ten tribes into captivity already, but God had used Sennacherib to do that. The ten tribes, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that those ten tribes uh, never had one righteous king. They never would reform. They never would get right. So because of their sin, because of their failure to repent, God allowed the uh, armies of the Assyrians to take them into captivity. But it wasn't, but, but here was a nation that was living for God. And, and Sennacherib thought because he had conquered um, Israel, then he would just go ahead and take Judah as well. And he did come in and take many, much of the fenced cities. And now he's coming against Jerusalem itself. And so this king of Assyria, what he did do was he brought Hezekiah and these people of God very close in the the nation of Judah, very close to a nation-ending defeat. He was very close to completely defeating and destroying the, the nation of Judah and taking them into captivity. I said he was very close, but there was a but God moment that happened, and God stepped in with a great miracle and delivered Judah. And when he did, he sent the Assyria, he sent the Assyrians into a tailspin from which that nation never did recover. Come on, amen. Don't mess with God's people. I think that's the moral of the story. And the devil hadn't got any sense. He, he's never learned over all these millennia that when he goes to messing, God starts a blessing. Come on, amen. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. But, um, but, but the Bible says there in that verse we read in 2 Chronicles 32, 1, um, after these deeds of faithfulness, or as the King James says, after these things and the establishment thereof, um, that's when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. Now, what this is talking about is that these, the, these things or these deeds Deeds of faithfulness, the establishment of these things was what? It was the great revival that had that we studied last week. It was the great revival that had taken place in Judah under the leadership of Hezekiah. The very first thing on his agenda was bringing the people back to God. So these things in 2 Chronicles 32, 1, what is that great revival? It was the reform that came under his leadership. And so we will notice here that the attack by Assyria, when did it come? 
come? When did the devil get stirred up? When did the devil get riled up? When did the devil decide to come and bring these people into captivity and into bondage? It was after the establishment of these things. It was right after it came following a great spiritual revival and improvement in the lives of the people. They had turned back to God. Hallelujah. Hezekiah had rebelled against that Assyrian king. Said we ain't paying no more tribute. He had a little he had a little minor hiccup, but now he's getting back on track now. And it, and during this time after God's people have come back to him, now the enemy raises up and comes against him. Can I tell you something tonight, Abundant Life Family Church? This is a fact. This is a fact that we, we need to get a hold of, and that is this. We want revival. I, I, I believe God wants us to have revival. We need revival. That's the only thing that's going to save the church and save the nation is revival. But revival, when it comes, the way God God wants it to come. I'm talking about genuine revival. I'm talking about true revival. I'm talking about real revival. That's what we've got to have. And when real revival comes, it will often, if not always, be followed by reproach. And when God's divine blessings come, they will always be followed up by demonic battles. You just well get ready that when the blessing of the Lord comes in our life, when people start getting close to God that the old slewfoot is not just going to stand back and just let it happen. He isn't just going to stay in the background and let you get closer to God without trying to stop you but he will come against a church. He will come against a, an individual and the closer you get to God the more he'll come against you to try to stop you from being all God wants you to be. Come on. Do you believe that tonight? That's all through the Word of God. Amen. And this fact shocks a lot of people. Because, you know, it, it, when, we, we, when you try to tell people and say that, that real bad times, trouble, trial, affliction can come into our life following a great dedication to the Lord people say well that don't make any sense to me it just shouldn't be that way well I'm going to tell you that is the way that is so you know we don't how do we counter that well it's not by saying well if the devil's going to get after me for being dedicated I just won't be so dedicated <laughs> amen if I'm, if I'm going to draw his attention I just won't be getting close to the Lord well you don't want to go down that road okay you don't want to go down that road amen but you do want to, to maintain your consecration. We want revival. I'm going to tell you, you know, the, the enemy will do everything he can to try to get, to try to stop revival in our lives and in our church. But we want revival and we want to get close to God and we're going to have that. But we just as well understand something that when we as a church or as an individual begin to get close to the Lord and, and consecrate to God, then we become a threat as we become a threat 
threat to the kingdom of darkness. He's going to try to stop us and bring us back into under the bondage that he had us in before. Come on, amen. But I'm going to tell you, church, we must not cave in. We must not cast away our confidence in God. We must not lose our faith in his word in those times, amen. We've got to stand fast and stand true. There's too many that lose the battle and give in right here when Sennacherib standing at the gate trying to intimidate them. They say, well, we'll just give up. You can't give up. You can't stop. You can't throw in the towel because God's going to bring you through no matter what the attack of the enemy is. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. See, there's a couple of important factors that's involved in trials that come to dedicated saints. To dedicated saints. Amen. So so I'm telling you that because you're dedicated, consecrated, doesn't mean you're not going to have a time of testing. You will. God himself will allow a time of testing in our life. Amen. Great faith must be tested. Faith must be tested, but great faith will be tested greatly. Amen. Well, there's a couple of factors that's involved. And that is, as we just mentioned, the devil, first of all, will contest every spiritual victory that you gain in life. Every spiritual victory that you win in life, Satan will be there to contest that, to see just how much you believe. So get ready for that, all right? Amen? It's just after this revival that Sennacherib invades Judah. Revival, as I said, is an assault on the work of Satan, and he's not going to take that setting down. So you and I must be prepared for these attacks. Get ready for it. Think it not strange, Peter said, concerning what? The fiery trial that is to try you as though some great or as though some strange thing had happened to you. So don't count it strange. You know how many times have we, we, we've seen that. And, and um, praise God, we will, because there won't be any snow this week, we will talk about this Sunday. <laughs> is that a faith declaration? Amen. Praise the Lord. But, but but Jesus brings that out in the parable of the sower that that you know and we're 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 trying to preach on the parable of the sower on Sunday morning so uh, come and be a part of that but but not only not only is that a fact that Satan will contest every spiritual victory you gain and and you know we're going from vic- from glory to glory and victory to victory and every spiritual victory you gain Satan will be there to contest that. But the second thing we need to understand is that God does know how to deliver the godly out of their temptations. He does know how to bring you out. It doesn't matter. And we've got the promise that says that He will not allow us to be tested or tempted above what we're able to bear. But with every temptation, He will come on the scene and give us grace and make a way of escape that we will be able to bear that. Amen?
This trial of Sennacherib's invasion into Hezekiah, into Hezekiah's kingdom of Judah, it provided, it did something. See, and like I said, that that Hezekiah or Sennacherib don't realize what he's getting into here. He thinks he's big dog, but I tell you, he's getting ready to bite off more than he can chew. He's messing with the wrong one this time. Hallelujah! He's messing with God's people. He's messing with the people that have prayed through a people that are offering sacrifice, a people that are covered by the blood, a people that are under the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. He doesn't realize what's getting ready to happen in his life. And so this invasion and attack against Hezekiah and Judah provides God with an opportunity to display his power in a mighty way to destroy the Assyrian army and give a great victory to the people of God every time you face a trial every time the enemy comes knocking at your door every time trouble comes your way just raise your hands and praise the Lord and say this is just another opportunity for my heavenly father to come on the scene and bring me through and give me a deliverance and a victory and he will do that hallelujah amen the time of this attack is kindly, kindly significant. I thought it was interesting as I studied this because in, uh, and you don't have to turn there, I'll just read them to you. But in 2 Kings 18, and uh, there's your homework assignment, okay? Read 2 Kings 18 and 19, all right? And 2 Chronicles 32, read those Read those chapters. But in 2 Kings 18 and 13, it says that it was in the 14th year of of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against the fortified cities of Judah and took took them. Now that may not uh, have much significance, but the 14th year was the year that Sennacherib attacked, but there was something else that happened in that year. Remember, it was the first year of his reign. He began the reform. He began the revival. All the reform took place. But then in the 14th year, Sennacherib attacked Hezekiah and Judah, came against them. But it was also, there was something else, and we'll get to that next week or the week after. There was something else that happened in that same year that came against Hezekiah, and it was the great sickness that he faced where he almost died. Amen? When Isaiah come, I mean, he's got Sennacherib to deal with, and he's going through that, and if that's not enough, the prophet comes to his door and says, set your house in order, son, you're going to die. Oh, man, I mean, this is too much. Somebody said, how do you know that was in the 14th year? Well, you know, just figure it out. It's, it, it, the, both these events had to be in the 14th year. We know Sennacherib invaded then. But the Bible says that, that, uh, that King Hezekiah reigned for 29 years. This happened in the 14th year. But it also said that when God healed Hezekiah of his sickness, that he added 15 years to his life. So if he added 15 years and he reigned 29, then that had to have happened in the 14th year as well. 
So here's two problems come against him at one time. But oh, what we find out is, praise God, it was two serious things. But God just delivered him out of both of them. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Two of the greatest trials. But it also brought two of the most powerful demonstrations of God's power. And remember what we said about Hezekiah was? He was, what we learned about him, he's a survivor. He survives. Why? Because he's depending upon the Lord. And he's trusting in the Lord. Oh, how many here? Listen, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure if you're like me, all of us have had our 14th year experience. Anybody been through the, four, the quote, 14th year experience? Amen. Where everything's been going good. Amen. All is well, and the blessings are abounding, and you're just walking in revival and enjoying the goodness and the blessings of the Lord. And then the 14th year hits, and I'm talking about that in a spiritual way. The 14th year hits and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. All of a sudden the bottom just falls out of things. Everything's turned upside down. Amen. You may have trouble with your health. Trouble on the job. Trouble in your family. Problems in your finances. And all of it's coming on you at the same time. And you're thinking I don't know if I can go through much more of this or not. That's exactly what happened to Job. Amen. Everything was going good. But one bad thing after another after another after another. Hallelujah. He went through the 14th year experience. But I can tell you something tonight. That Hezekiah was not forsaken in the 14th year. I can tell you Job was not forsaken by God when we're facing trials. Can I encourage you tonight lift up your head look to the hills from whence comes your help your help comes from the Lord trust in him he knows how to bring you through even the 14th year when everything's going wrong does anybody other churches shout like we do at Bible studies Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Just keep on trusting and believing. Amen. Listen. Now here, in the midst of this, when, 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 when Sennacheribs come against them, listen to what Hezekiah tells the people. This, I love this. Because here was Hezekiah's message. We're going back to Second Chronicles now. 2 Chronicles 32 again, verse number 7. When all hell is broken loose, the enemy is all around talking his big talk in using intimidation to intimidate the people. Telling them, don't trust in old Hezekiah. I'm going to take you down and there ain't nothing he can do about it. There ain't nothing your God can do about it. And all this is being said, here's what Hezekiah, their leader, listen, their leader. Here's what he gets up there, their, their shepherd of that day. Here's what he gets up and tells them when they're facing a difficult time. Verse 7 of Second Chronicles 32, he says, listen folks. 
folks, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before the multitude that is with him. For there is more that there is more with us than with him. For with him is the arm of flesh. That's all he's got. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Hallelujah. I'm telling you there's more with us than there are against us tonight. The devil's limited in what he can do. But can I tell you that we have unlimited power, the unlimited power of our heavenly Father, the almighty God, who will fight for us, who will fight our battles. He is on our side. He will help us. The battle is not mine. The battle is not yours. But the battle is the Lord's. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord he will fight for you do you believe that tonight amen listen these are not just empty words this was based what Hezekiah was telling his his, his people God's people he was telling them what he was telling them was, was, was divine, based on divine truth. He's encouraging the people that regardless of what they're looking at or seeing or hearing, to keep on trusting in the Lord. My God, help me as a pastor. That's, listen, I try my best to do that. When people are having struggles, when people are having problems, and um, I, I pray a lot about that. Lord, help me to, to know, always know what to say. To have a word, a, a, a good word in good season to those who are weary. That will help them and encourage them and strengthen them. Because I'm telling you, I, you know, when, when we, we've got to have, when we're, when we're facing these things, church, we've got to have a word from the Lord. We've got to hear from the Lord. We've got to know that God is with us and for us. We've got to know that He's not going to forsake us or leave us. But he's going to fight for us. we got to know that. And that's what I try my best to do. When I, when I preach or teach or preach or whatever I do, I try to give you words of encouragement. Amen. That, that, that will put some faith in your heart. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. These were words of faith. These were based, these words were, were words that were given to him by the Holy Spirit. It was based on divine, divine truth. And he's encouraging the people to trust in their God. That God would see them through. He's telling them, hang on, God's not going to let us lose this. God is with us. See, that's the same thing. He said more with us than there are with them. That's the same thing Elisha told his servant when the army of the Syrians came to arrest him. Gehazi looked out and saw the city surrounded and he went back in and told Elisha he said, oh what are we going to do? Woe is us. Woe is us. Everything's falling apart. We're not going to make it. And oh Elisha said, fear not son. There's more that be with us than there are that be with them. Hallelujah. There's more on our side. Just remember one thing. When Satan fell 
He only took a third of the angels. There's two-thirds left to fight for you and me. Come on, somebody. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, man. We are not outnumbered. It looks like we are not outnumbered to the natural eye. Many times God's people seem to be that way, seem to be outnumbered, but the eye of faith, and this is what we got to get a hold of, it's the eye of faith that sees beyond the natural and sees, sees the Word of God, sees God on our side. Amen? Oh, hallelujah, 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 amen. Sometimes you look and you see what's happening. I think I heard Brother Swigert say this one time. You can see what's happening. You know what's happening, but you don't know what's going on. Amen. Even when there's a mess happening, there's something going on in the spirit realm. Amen. And you got to believe, you got to believe, you got to believe with all of your heart. And so he gave them that divine truth and that word and told them to look to the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 8, and the people, I love this, they believed it because it said, and the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. They rested themselves. See, listen, words of faith give hope, they give strength, and they give support. Amen? I want people to come to abundant life on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever, I want them to leave with some hope. If they come in hopeless, I want to I say something. Say something, Holy Spirit, help me to say something. Give them the Word of God, something they can rest their hope in and trust in from the Word of God to know that everything is going to be all right. Trust in God's Word. I've got to bring this, I've got to bring this on. Trust in God's word will always overcome the devil's fake news. Sennacherib, let me tell you, listen, Satan is full of fake news and propaganda. He's pouring it out all the time. And that's what was going on here. And I found out that what Sennacherib was saying to these people at Judah was the same thing the devil says to you and me in, in, in the 21st century. You believe that? He ain't changed. He's still using the same old tactics. Paul said that we are not ignorant of his devices. He's still telling the same old lies, telling the same old things. And you know what's so sad about it is? That people is still believing the same old lies that the devil's been telling for 6,000 years or more. Amen? But he's still telling those lies. He's full of fake news. See, the devil will attack your confidence. And let me just touch on these real quick. That's the first thing that he'll try to do is attack your confidence. He says that all the encouraging words of faith are empty talk. Notice in 2 Kings 18, 19, 20, here's what Sennacherib said. Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king. Now God has spoken. 
Now the big shot, great king's going to speak. Amen? Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this which you trust? You speak of having plans and powerful war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? See, here's the accusation of Sennacherib, same thing devil uses today. He's saying, God's not going to get you out of this mess. You're going down. You're in real trouble. Your faith isn't going to work. That's the thing that he tells us every time. Anybody ever had the devil tell you that? You ain't making it out of this. You ain't coming out of this trial. God's not going to help you this time. That's the very thing that he was telling those people that day, attacking their confidence in the Word. And if you and I fall for that and we have a lack of confidence in the Word of God, if we stop believing this book, listen to me, church, if we stop believing the promises of God, if we begin to doubt the Word of God, then then, then that lack of confidence will, will bring spiritual victory to a standstill in your life. You cannot experience and will not experience victory when you stop believing what the Word of God says about you, about what Jesus did for you, about what Christ did to the enemy. you got to hang on to that. you got to believe that no matter what the situation may look like. The devil is a braggadocious dude. He talks a big game and talks a big talk but cannot tell you something today you got to stand up to him and let him know that I believe what God says and not what the lies of the devil are amen hallelujah hallelujah the enemy knows that if he can destroy our confidence in God and the word of God that we'll suffer a spiritual defeat every time but the second thing that he does, the devil will tell you that it's God that's behind your trouble. He'll even tell you it's God that's causing your problems. In verse 25, he said, Sennacherib said, Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord, L-O-R-D, capital, Jehovah. The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Listen to me, saints. See, this is what this is, this is the devil telling them. This, that God is the one that's doing the trouble to them. This is the slickest lie that the devil's got. He wants to make you believe God's forsaken you. He wants to make you to believe that your problems are the result of God's punishment for your past sins. Can I tell you when you repent and turn to the Lord that the blood of Jesus washes away your past sins and they do not exist anymore. Jesus took your punishment for your sin at Calvary. And when you put your trust and faith in His shed blood, hallelujah, you don't stand in punishment and judgment for those sins anymore. Can I get an amen? But the devil will tell you different. And the devil will try to tell you that God himself is your problem. That God himself is against you. That God himself is the one that is fighting against you. But I'm going to tell you something. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus said it in John 10.10. 10. He said it's not me. It's the thief that's come to kill and to steal and to destroy. But he said, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly come on amen God is not your problem the devil is your problem Sennacherib is your problem and you got to believe the word of God that God will do something about your problem hallelujah 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 
Amen? Hallelujah. But Satan, thirdly, will always try to focus your attention on his victories over other people. Mm. Listen to what he said in verse 33 and 34. This is Sennacherib again. He said, Have any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Saharvium and Hena and Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? See, here's the boast of Satan. He says this, I am more powerful than your God. Look at all the other nations I've defeated. That's what Sennacherib said. Were their gods able to deliver them out of my hand? Well, number one, their gods weren't no gods at all. There's only one true God. Amen. I said there's only one true God, and that's God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's not Muhammad, and it's not Hare Krishna. Amen. And it's not Buddha. Amen. It's not what, what kind? Never mind. It's not any of that hallelujah those gods were just idle gods they were deep they were backed by demon spirits but he said their gods couldn't deliver them and that's the boast of Satan he says I've brought down other Christians that were stronger than you he'll try to point to somebody Satan will always try to magnify something that didn't happen come on somebody he'll try to magnify somebody that didn't get healed or that didn't get their miracle you know well you know brother so and so had that and they prayed for him and he didn't get healed and that may be true and I may not know the reason for that or the answer for that but I'm not going to focus on somebody that didn't get healed I'm going to focus on the word of God that says I am Jehovah Rapha I am the Lord your healer hallelujah I know a lot of people that did get healed and that have got healed and that will get healed. Man, maybe I need to start dressing like this on Sunday morning. I'll preach better. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, Satan loves to magnify a failure. But when we get to thinking about failures, we'll never get our eyes on the victory. We've got to see. We can't focus on the victory somebody else didn't get. We can't focus on somebody who maybe one time was a strong Christian and now they're backslid. We've got to focus on the promises of God and that God is with us and that God is for us. We've got to focus on the positive, not the negative, on the promise, on the victory. Amen? Not on what if it doesn't happen. And that's the first thing the devil says you know when you get prayed for and whether it's healing or whatever it is the first thing the devil will whisper in your ear well what if it don't happen what if you don't get healed what if God don't answer your prayer he tells me that every time when I lay hands on somebody to pray for the sick well you know so and so didn't get healed what if they don't get healed what are you going to do then and I always just say well devil what are you going to do when they do get healed when God does show up when God does give them their miracle amen oh we got to believe God is going to come through for you and he's going to come through for me I'm trying to get through this I got to get down I got to get through this listen 
the, the four things Satan does is what he tried to do with Hezekiah. He'll try to get you to make a deal and to compromise. He's, he's, he's Monty Hall. Or who's the dude that does it now? I don't know. Let's make a deal. That's what he tries to do. He'll get you to try to cut a deal. And that's what he did with Hezekiah. Listen to what he said. Verses 31 and 32 of 2 Kings 18. He said, hearken not to Hezekiah. Here's what he's telling the people. Don't listen to Hezekiah. That's what he tells everybody here at Abundant Life on Sunday morning. Don't listen to him. He don't know what he Don't listen to that preacher. He don't know what he's talking about. Don't listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria. Here he goes again, see. Here he goes again asserting and usurping his word over God's word. God's already said, this is what I'm going to do. Now he says, well, listen to me. I'm the king of Assyria. Listen to what he said. Make an agreement with me. Buy a present and come out to me. And then eat ye every man of his own vine and every one of his own of his fig tree and drink ye every one the waters of his cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land. A land of corn. See how pretty he's making this sound. All you got to do is surrender to me. It's not going to be that bad. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be a land of corn and wine and bread and vineyards and a land of oil, olive, and of honey that you may live and not die. And hearken not to Hezekiah. Hearken not to Pastor Rick when he tells you to walk holy and live right. You can, you can, come, you can come on out to me. Don't pay no attention to him when he persuades you, saying the Lord will deliver us. Come on, make an agreement with me. Come on out to me. Can I tell you that is the voice of the devil? That is the voice of Satan. This is what the devil says. He, he Here's the compromise that he tries to get us to make. Satan says, just come on out of your narrow straight-laced ways. I'll make it okay for you. It's going to be all right. I'll make sure you've got all your need. you need, your corn, your wine, your bread. There's going to be prosperity if you'll just follow me and just yield to me. Come on out to me, the devil says. Walk in my ways, the devil says. Don't pay no attention to what the pastor's preaching. Everybody's doing it. If you'll come over to my side, everything's going to be good. I'm telling you, he's a slick salesman he's a he talks he talks out of both sides of his mouth but he is a liar he is a liar and he is the father of lies he is a crooked salesman don't be deceived don't listen to the to the compromising lies of the devil come on amen Every compromise that you make in your walk with Jesus is a going out to Sennacherib. It's a yielding to the devil and to Sennacherib. Every time you cut a deal, you're selling out to him, sacrificing your consecration. He says, I'll come and take you away to a land just like your own. In other words, you can have the world and still have God too. But I'm telling you, that's a lie. We cannot have both come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Amen. 
Thank God the United Methodist Church voted the right way. Only 53%. They're pretty much split down the middle. That's pretty sad, but thank God it did go that way. This compromising spirit that says that you can have Sennacherib and you can have Assyria and you can have the world and have God too. That it's a land just like just like living for it's just it's just everything sugar and spice and everything nice. It won't hurt anything. You can have it all. You can have Jesus and a deal with the world. Jesus and the world. But I can't, I'm telling you, we cannot. We cannot. There's compromise every today, but let us here at Abundant Life stand up to Sennacherib and say we're not coming out to you. We're not cutting a deal with you. We will serve the Lord our God and Him only will we serve. Those who buy into that deal will be Satan's slaves forever. There's no land of wine and oil and paradise that the devil promises out there in that world. The wages of sin is death. The pleasure of sin is only for a season. And the minute you go out to him, he will slap the chains on you. He'll put that noose around your neck. He'll lead you off to Babylon, and you'll never get what you thought you was going to get. No matter how pretty it looked, amen, you'll never get what you thought, but you'll get bondage bondage and slavery. You'll get a whip and a chain and broken promises and despair. You'll get an evil taskmaster and a slave driver for a father. You'll live under complete bondage to the devil. And that's what the devil wants. So you cannot. The moment we step out and go out to him and compromise a little bit, that's all he needs. What was that one church sign? I already put that outside. Give Satan an inch and he'll become, and he'll become a ruler. <laughs> Amen. Whew. All right, I'm closing. I'm bringing this. I'm bringing this thing in for landing. Is the runway clear? The last, as a last resort, the devil sends a threatening letter. It was a letter of reproach to the living God. It was a letter designed to intimidate. The devil was mocking them. The devil was saying, well, I'm going to cut you down and destroy everything you have. It intimidated him. Anybody here ever got a letter from the devil? Nobody's ever got anything from the IRS? No, I'm sorry. letter from the devil maybe it was divorce papers maybe it was a pink slip maybe it was maybe it was a a pink slip saying you've lost your job maybe it was a foreclosure notice or a letter from an attorney a bill collector or the IRS it was a letter that caused fear and alarm and some letters are bad news maybe your letter from the devil was an x-ray or a test result that showed something that wasn't good I mean it was a MRI, the results were not good and showed a disease that you're fighting and it's a hopeless case. But when you get that letter from the devil, you still got to believe Jesus heals. Where is the Lord now? And that's what the devil says when those things happen. You've served him and look where it's gotten you. 
The devil says it doesn't pay. It doesn't pay to be righteous. So this is what you get for living for the Lord. You know, you pray and you give and you walk the straight and narrow and you go to church and you're faithful and you give your tithe. And look at you now, huh? some deal now, you're sick, now you're in trouble, everything's gone wrong. Why don't you just give up and quit and throw in the towel and, and you know, just surrender to Sennacherib. That's what the letter says. <laughs> but what do you do? What do you do when you get a letter from the devil? I'll tell you what you do. You do the same thing Hezekiah did. He got this letter from Sennacherib. And in verse 14 and 15 says this. He took the letter and he went up to the house of the Lord. Don't quit. Don't quit, church. Take that letter and put it in your pocket and take it to the Lord. But he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed. There's the answer. You take it to the Lord. You tell it to Jesus. You pray over the situation. And then, I believe God read the letter. I don't know if anybody else has ever got a letter like that before, but I've actually took letters and laid them before the Lord and said, Lord, you need to read this. (laughs) I need you, Lord, to do something about this. I don't know how to handle this, but you're going to have to help me with this. Oh, and it may not be a, a natural letter, but take it to the Lord. And the Lord read the letter from Sennacherib. And you know what the Lord's response was? The Lord laughed at it. I said the Lord laughed at it. Because God's response was, this is what you tell. Here's my message to Sennacherib. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised thee and laughed thee to scorn. God thought it was kind of funny. Amen? That Sennacherib was going to overthrow Judah when it wasn't in the plans of God. And he gave Hezekiah an answer. And he said, listen, the devil can't harm you. He can't carry out those threats. He'll not come into this city. He'll not shoot an arrow there. He won't come in here with a shield. He won't cast a bank against it. And God said, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for David my servant's sake. Let me tell you something, saints of God, tonight. No matter how many demons invade, no matter how the kingdom of darkness threatens. I'm here to tell you that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is safe and secure and covered by the blood and sealed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Woo! Hallelujah! The Lord is set to deliver you tonight because when He took that letter to the Lord... God moved with one angel. Just sit down. One angel that night. Come on, somebody. One angel went down and in one night killed 185,000 of the Syrian soldiers. 
Hallelujah. When Hezekiah and all of Judah went to bed that night, they were surrounded by 185,000 of Syrians. When they got up the next morning, the battle was over. The Lord had fought for them. Is anybody hearing me tonight? I said the battle was over and the Lord had fought for them. And they looked out and 185,000 dead corpses. I love the way the Bible says that. That's the best kind of corpse I know is a dead corpse. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hey, come on, stand with me tonight. Are you ready to shout the victory tonight for Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear the Lord and delivers them. And there's no weapon that can be formed by the enemy against you to prosper tonight because God is your redeemer. He is your defender. He is your standby. He is your help. He is on your side. And you may have a Sennacherib at your gate. You may have a letter from the devil in your pocket. But I'm telling you tonight, the Lord will fight for you. He will bring you through. Don't give up. Don't give in, but let Jesus have his way in your life. Give the Lord a praise tonight, somebody. Woo! Yeah, let's praise him.